Welcome to Just One More Story by George Walters, a weekly podcast where every Friday I share with you one story taken from my collection of many. It should be noted that this podcast was created by me, your host, George Walters, with the help of my lovely wife, Ruth, and two sons, Craig and Carl. And I don't mind saying, as much as it is me writing and telling the stories, without them, it wouldn't have been possible. So knowing that, let's get started. Hi folks, thanks for joining me here today. First off, let's get my viewpoint out of the way for the day. It seems to me that a lot of businesses are hurting these days, which is understandable with what is happening throughout the world with this virus. I believe that to survive, they will have to start making some drastic changes. And even then, I am thinking that a lot of might have to move on with other things. Some say, well, the government should keep on funding them, keeping them afloat until we have things under control. I say that is all fine and good, and yes, the government should help out a bit. I said a bit, though, and after that, if things aren't working out, the companies will have to start cutting back and fending for themselves. The thing is, folks, the government's money is the people's money, and if the people aren't working, the money will run out. It's like looking at a huge blank wall, as I keep on telling those that I know. It's right there in front of us for all to see. I feel at this time we we need to look after those that are in serious need of, like things like food, rent, and, well, things like that, our seniors and young that can't fend for themselves. These huge corporations, as hard as it is to say or do, will have to start looking after themselves a bit more. You know, the truth of the matter is that the wages that some of these executives, managers, and bosses are making that are in the six figures could be scaled back a lot, which in turn could then be put back into their business in ways that would help immensely in keeping them afloat. And if that fails, well, hey, you gave it your best shot, and as I said before, some businesses will have to move on to something else. I guess what I'm saying is that we can't keep on bailing out everyone that is in need. If we do, things will keep on getting worse and we will be in more trouble than we are now. The powers that be in my mind has to take a step back, regroup in a sensible way, and get to doing what is right. Times are changing, and yes, this virus, virus is a bad thing, and hopefully they come up with a vaccine but I hate to burst anyone's bubble, but I got a stinking suspicion that things are going to get worse before they get better. Especially if people doesn't do what's right, like social distancing, staying out of stores unless it's unavoidable, and taking care of business in the home itself, like making your home a safe place, not bringing in a lot of family and friends. There are other ways of doing these things. We have to adapt. You know... A lot of us humans have been doing that for years, and those that have been doing it are actually quite good at it. Maybe it's time we shared our expertise with each other. Anyways, that is my viewpoint on one of the things that has taken place today. And remember this, what you hear is my opinion only. So with that, let's get on with the story I've lined up for you today. It's a great story that takes place way back in the early 1900s. I hope you enjoy 
making folks happy. As told to me by my dad many years ago, late one night while riding along in his old truck heading to market. It was in a small town in the good old U.S. of A. that this story took place, centered around a feller that in my eyes was the most miserable, cantankerous son of a gun that you could ever get to know. I was surveying for the railway at the time with my good friend Jeb. I had hired him on as a guide and to keep an eye on me when things got a bit tough. I gotta say, old Jeb saved my bacon many times over the three years. Well, we arrived at this town and went to put our horses at the livery stable. The fellow that worked there sure wasn't a pleasant sort, and if there had been any other place to take our horses to, we would have done it, no questions asked. At any rate, there wasn't, so we paid him his rate of $5 a night, which was a heck of a price. After we paid him, we headed on over to a small place to eat that we spotted on the way in. It looked clean enough from the outside. I was sure hungry, as Jeb and we had run out of supplies about two days earlier. So right there and then, anything that even resembled food would be of interest to us two. We stepped up on the boardwalk and went inside. Not a bad-looking place, huh, old buddy? Well, we'll see about that after they bring us our food, said Jeb. Jeb, you got to remember now that you're in a public place and only a fool argues with a skunk, a mule, or right here and now a cook. You know, working with you these past few years, I have found that you're one of the hardest fellers I have ever worked with to satisfy. You know that? Yeah, I know it of it, as you have told me enough times. Well, all that I'm saying here is that maybe you should take it a bit easy on the people that owns this establishment, especially if things aren't up to their, your own expectations. Yeah, fine. Now, can we eat? I shook my head, and we moseyed on over to a table by the window and sat down. The waitress was pleasant enough, and she recommended the steak with fried potatoes and onions that came with lots of homemade gravy and two homemade biscuits that were just taken out of the oven, she said. Piece of homemade pie or raspberry pie and all the coffee you can drink comes with a meal, she went on to say. Right then, we weren't about to complain and said, bring them on. While she was setting our food down in front of us, I got asking her, about that old feller at the livery stable saying how miserable an old cuss he was and that his prices were outrageous. She said, yes, he is that. But you know, mister, he has had a pretty hard life, that fellow. He came here about ten years ago with a wife, two boys, and a daughter. Everyone in town thought that his wife and him were the perfect couple. But then, for some unseen reason, his wife took up with a salesman and left him one night while he was sleeping. She took every cent that he had saved, leaving him to raise his daughter and the boys all on his own. A few months after his wife left, the two boys, being older, got in some trouble in the next town a ways from here, robbed the bank and killed the clerk. They hung the both of them. Now he is living here all alone with his young daughter, who, by the way, is a pretty little thing that comes to visit me every day. I wouldn't hesitate to say that she isn't a day over 13 years old, 
and works every bit as hard as her father does in that dirty old barn every day helping him. Thing is, there isn't much work to be had in a town like this, and, well, he is hurting real bad for money. He doesn't like to take advantage of new folks that comes to town, but it's the only way he can make ends meet so that he has enough to feed himself and his daughter. Well, I said, that sure puts a whole different picture on things. You see there, George, said Jem, I told you he wasn't that bad of a feller, kind of like the first time he laid eyes on me. I might have been a bit better in temperament than him in some respects, don't you think? Jeb, I have never known anyone in all my days that is as good-looking and as sweet as you. You keep that up, and you'll be fending for yourself the rest of this trip. Good-looking and sweet. Huh. And with that, he got up and laughed. Now, Jeb, don't get yourself all in the huff. I was just kidding. Gosh, said the waitress, he sure is a touchy feller. Oh, he'll be all right. He's just trying to impress you and everyone else in the place. Did you notice he finished his meal before he left and even took the last piece of that pie with him? Well, Jeb, he cooled down, and later on the next day I went to the telegraph office I had in town. It wasn't a sizable place we're speaking about, but it was large enough to send messages. I wrote up a note mentioning that a change in direction for the railway might be in order. The reason being was that I had found a small town with lots of water, which will be needed, and that I felt the railway would be wise in considering the change. A couple hours later, they replied, saying, Thanks, we will do whatever you think is best. Jeb was standing there, and I read the reply and said, Why, why did you do that for, George? I thought we had it laid out about 50 miles south of here. It'll take us another week to get things moved down to this neck of the woods. I didn't say anything right there and then, and we headed on over to the livery stable to pick up our horses. The old feller came out still as cantankerous as ever. Suppose you two are leaving now, huh? For a few days, but we'll be back. Oh, and I thought you might like to know that I work for the railway, and I've just contacted the main office letting them know that I had a change in my plans, and the railway will be coming through your town here. I also mentioned your name, I hope you don't mind, saying that any repairs and things needed on the train or boxcars, you would be happy to look after them. <laughs> well, sir, if you could have seen the expression that came over that feller's face, he just lit up, reached over, took my hand, and darn near shook it off my body. So... That is what you were up to, Jeb said. I looked at him and smiled. We got our horses and carried on with our day. Oh, and that there fell old feller's daughter? Well, you know, she grew up, got a good education, and became one of the West First Lady Lawyers. So, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's story. It's a true story that my dad told me years ago. Actually, there were many more that followed after that with old Jeb and George. And in the near future, if things go as the plan, I will share them with you. Them two had some interesting times while surveying for the railway, let me tell you. And the best part is that they're all exciting and keep you wanting more. That is, if you enjoy stories of the olden days. That's it for today, folks. But before I go, I would like to mention that all my stories are also available in books. We have seven books to choose from, 
and each book has over 50 short stories. The titles of the books are One More Story, Moments in Time, Paths We Choose, Times Changing, Keep Turning Pages, Join Me in the Garden, and Nature's Gateway to Health. All of our books are available on Amazon.ca or Amazon.com in ebooks or paperback. If you would like more information regarding my books or podcasts, you can email me at any time at stories at keepingnotes.com. I'll say that one more time stories at keepingnotes.com. I'll get back to you. You can also listen to my podcasts on Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Radio Public. Pocket Cast, CastBox, The Walters Post, and Google Home. Just say, hey Google, play Just One More Story by George Walters. And if you enjoy my podcast, share them with others or tell a friend. In doing so, it will help me make more podcasts for all to enjoy. And finally, I would like to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to tune in every Friday for a new episode of Just One More Story by George Walters.